Beyond the Level podcast is brought to you by tinyhomes.com, focused on consumer protection for people and companies within the world of tiny homes. For more information, contact us at support at tinyhomes.com. Hi guys, welcome to episode 10. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about roofs. So Kenny, what are things that people need to look out for when looking for a tiny home as regards to roofs? That was a mouthful sentence, but what do people need to look for in roofs? It's a great question. It's something I think about a lot, and I think it's something that sort of is very often sort of overlooked, and there's a lot of assumptions made with roofing as it relates to tiny homes. Specifically, tiny homes that are built on wheels, either, you know, a park model RV or a regular RV that's built into a tiny home. But even some of the other types of modalities within tiny homes, I think people sometimes think, oh, that roof's warrantied for 30 years or some long term, because it's really important for it to last a long time. But really, you have to kind of dig deeper to understand if really what your protections are for that roof. So what does that mean? What does a 30-year warranty on a roof mean? You know, it initially means just a manufacturer's warranty for the material. So it doesn't really cover any of the workmanship, and it doesn't really cover if the roof were to leak. So it really just covers if there was some type of defect in, let's say it's a metal roof, let's say that the panel finish comes off, or there's some type of defect in the panel itself, the manufacturer is going to warranty that panel for 30 years. Now, what that's going to look like is that manufacturer is going to deliver you new material. The problem with that is the majority of the cost in roofing is to put it on. Not only to take it off if it was defective, but to put it back on correctly. So do um, the installers ever have any type of warranty on the roof? They can offer you a warranty, and one of the issues with that that we see is that you have to be willing to believe that that installer, that contractor, is going to be around for the term of the warranty. 30 years is a pretty long time. And so we talk about it because if most things in your house aren't warrantied for 30 years, your roof is warrantied for 30 years. And if you have roof problems, you have house problems. And so it's, it's kind of like foundations, right? If you have a foundation that's a problem, your whole house is sort of subject to a lot of issues. If you have roof problems, your house is subject to a lot of problems and issues. So it's something that, you know, we look at pretty intensely. Um, But if a contractor is willing to say, hey, I'm going to warranty you for 30 years, you have to be willing to think that that contractor is actually still going to be in business. Because if they're not in business after three years, you don't have a warranty anymore. So the way consumers protect themselves is they get a warranty through a manufacturer. Now, again, you have to believe that that manufacturer is going to be in business. And so it's advisable, in our opinion, to pick a manufacturer that's been around for a long time that you believe is going to continue to be around. So it's not using newer established products. Sometimes it's using those established modalities that you know are tried and true. From a company that you believe in that you think is going to be around and then you get a warranty that the manufacturer gives you but they give it through the installer so the installer gets certified as 
someone who can offer that type of warranty and then the manufacturer oversees that process and each manufacturer does it differently there are sometimes layers to those warranties there's like a you know let's say it's a golden pledge warranty and then there's a higher level warranty depending on what you're paying for and usually it's an additional cost but you know often it is an additional layer of protection that can be transferable in tiny homes movable structures those sorts of things you move outside of some of that realm but again, we're talking tiny homes as this general concept. That could be an accessory dwelling unit. That could be a modular home, a manufactured home, all sorts of different things. So speaking of certification, things being certified, if I'm buying a home um, that has some type of certification or has like a membership such as RVIA or NOAA or like a manufactured home that so it has some level of certification or, or some level of that it's been looked at. Wouldn't there be some understanding that the roof on that house would be at a level, a certain level of specification? They're going to look at the roof that it might, you know, so like RVIA does not really have a roof standard because they're looking at building movable homes you know and so it's their standard is pretty minimal there's very there isn't really a very much there's not much standard there in terms of what needs to be built so that you have a long-term warranty and if you think about an rv what do you notice about worn out rvs what i notice about worn out rvs that are even 20 and 30 years old is that the roofs are pretty mangled right because they're built pretty light and they need to be yeah. So it's sort of meeting that application. A really strong roof that's going to be well, is going to be performing well in 30 years is often a pretty heavy roof. If you're up on your roof like an RV that you might be accessing it and you, you, you subject that roof to potential damage and wear and tear. So you, know, you kind of have to look at it from like, let's say if you're looking at it, a home that is built under RVIA standards, there's very little standard within what they look at in terms of making sure that your roof is waterproof and installed to last a really long time based on conventional home standards. That's just not the rules in which they're operating under. And NOAA, for the most part, is using those same standards to, you know, to give that certification that they offer one at at the end of each build to their members. So they're not really looking at the details. They're not necessarily looking at what exact underlayment you used. Is it a high heat underlayment? How did you flash that penetration? What type of mastics or sealants did you use around different details? How did you strip in the rakes and the ease and the ridges and stuff? But they might be looking at some of the venting. Gotcha. So just because, um, you know, the, you're buying a home that has some level of a certification or membership in one of those companies doesn't necessarily mean just because they they the roof isn't something that they're necessarily looking at for and most of what the membership they're looking at it as far as like safety and like fire safety specifically. Um, so don't, don't necessarily think that they're looking specifically at the construction as a home, as it pertains to roofs. 
the standard is also fairly low within an RV because of the application it's yep. built under. So it's not that it's bad. It's just, yeah, like you said, an RV is built under. It kind of goes back to the classification of a tiny home as an RV is not exactly the right It's so often not it. the right application. But even when you start looking at, let's say you're buying a house from a modular home builder, manufactured home builder, what, how was that roof really installed? Because it's a place where a lot of people want, they want to save money and they will generally, they can still kind of perform. And, you know, you're also looking at sort of um, what I look at as high risk roofs and low risk roofs. I think sometimes in tiny homes, people get fairly design heavy and one of the problems we see is that they don't meet up. They have a desire. So what happens is they build a really highly architectural structure where they design a very highly architectural structure with all sorts of angles and slopes and, you know, sort of one plane coming into another. And then they, but they have in their head that they want to use a metal roof because that's just what you do. But so they, what's the problem with that? It's not that it's a problem. It just takes a lot of detailing to get it right and for it to last a long time and be done well. There are other materials that you can use that are a lot more flexible. So what we see so often is that the roof system that is being used is not applicable to the substrate. So it's a really cut up roof with all sorts of angles and they still choose to use metal, but they don't have a big budget to do it. So they and so they don't spend the time to make sure the valleys are stripped and right and done really and are tacked in really well or just all the details that are going to occur in that type of application. So you just have to find that, make sure that you're paying the right amount of money and doing it correctly. So I think there's also a thing to talk about here. You're talking about metal roofs, and it's like I think that there's a thing about. So someone that's building a tiny home, are they necessarily skilled roofers? Or are they also necessarily, maybe someone knows how to put on a shingle roof really well, but are they skilled in putting on a metal roof or know what, what the different applications? So it's like there's an assumption, I think, that you have someone building a house for you and that they are going to be able to know these technical details as regards to different types of materials. Yeah. And it's a good point. And so like with a plumber, if you're going to use a plumber, you need, you know, we like to use license and regardless of the structure that we're taking part in, if it's a tiny home on wheels, we're still wanting to use a licensed plumber, licensed electrician, but there's really no requirement to use a, there is no real certification for a licensed roofer there's certifications that that roofer might go through to get certified through the manufacturer but there's a lot of gray area in that so there's a lot there's a lot of opportunity for throughout that food chain for things to go wrong so it's also interesting i think what we've been sort of just kind of dawned on me that we're talking about roofers that are putting roofs on like regular houses but someone that's building an rv are they necessarily even using a separate roofing company to put the roof on a tiny home not necessarily right no yeah i mean they're you know and it's it's really hard you we're comparing kind of you know when you're looking at an rv it's like an rv in a factory is quite a bit different product than using the rv standards but really we're building a 
more of a permanent dwelling on wheels through using this RV standard. And most often those roofs are not the same as you might go to an RV dealer and buy. Those roofs are generally, you know, quite lightweight and they do have, they're usually fairly low slope. They're, um, they're just a different application. When you look at this tiny home on wheels, they generally are more conventional building modalities related to what a conventional house would look at. Maybe a bit more of a sloped roof. Metal roofs in particular are used in this tiny home on wheels very often, uh, which you don't really see in... But I guess it's what I'm kind of saying is just beware that, you know, it is sort of this gray area of it's not, you know, it is being built a bit... I don't want to say better, but a bit more to a more conventional standard than an RV is, but it still is tiny homes are still in the RV category. So there's not, there's just not the oversight on a roof on a tiny home that would be for a conventional house. So just, just be aware of that when you're buying a tiny home. It's, I think that there's a, there's a lot of room for oversight in roofing in particular, um, that really does not happen day to day. Even, I mean, we were just... Even on conventional houses. Just on conventional houses. I mean, we've seen, I watch roofs get put on uh, as I'm driving around or neighbor was just recently putting on a roof on their house and through a, a builder who's been, or, a, you know, an installer who's been around for many, many years. And I looked at the roof after it was done. And I mean, I saw... 10 problems with the roof, 10 obvious problems with the roof. And they are certified through a manufacturer. And it was still like, because they're going for speed, they want their, their motivation is to go fast. And so they're, they're not getting paid anymore. If they, you know, they get paid a certain amount to do the roof. So So why do you think that's something that happens? Why is there that kind of, you know, why does that sort of issue happen in, in roofs? I mean, I think there's a culture in roofing that it's, you go fast because, one, people don't see it, um, mostly. People don't go up and inspect it. Like, when you're painting and you're done, people come and look at every single nook and cranny. If you're putting in cabinetry, people look at every single nook and cranny. If you're putting in flooring, they're going to look at every single nook and cranny. In roofing, most people don't want to get up on a ladder and go look at the roof. So if it doesn't leak, even if it was installed poorly... It's not a big deal. And you get paid, basically, roofers often get paid. Some get paid hourly, but others get paid by the square. And a square is a 10 by 10 area. A roofer's talking squares. So they're going to get paid per square. So Regardless how, of how long Regardless of how... So it's beneficial for them to take less time because they get, you know... The faster they go. And so they're also... The culture so is they're is racing there... their friend across the way. So one person's on one side of the ridge, the other person on the other side of the ridge, and they're... They're racing. So is there also a bit of a, you know, because people, because roofs are expensive. It's probably one of the more expensive details in a home, right? Conventional or tiny. Um, And so there's this sort of mindset around, like, you want to believe that you're paying all this money to a roofer that's been around for a long time and you trust that they know what they're doing. So isn't there, like, even if, like, you want to believe that you're getting what you're paying for. So there's this, is there something to that? There really is. I couldn't, I, I wouldn't have thought it was true 
And it's such an interesting point. I cannot tell you how many times people, they do not want to know problems on their roof. They just look and listen the other way. They just, they don't want to hear it because it's such a, and it's why we're talking today because it's, it is a display of how important a watertight roof is. And when there are leaks, you lose sleep. Or if you think that you're going to be, have a roof that's going to leak, you're losing sleep. But once someone commits to that contractor, that contractor pretty much hung the moon. So they, they can't do any wrong. And that roof is being put on perfectly. And until there's actual leak, and a lot of roofs can leak for years, but it doesn't actually show up as a problem, but it could create mold issues or other issues. Um, so it's, it's an interesting thing. Once people kind of commit into it, they want to believe it. And there's a lot to think about. So it's really, you need that third party to come in and just be your advocate the whole time. And you need to see the entire process being done. If it's metal, you want to see how is it specced out? How are, what are they doing? And so on really technical metal roofs, someone's not going to realize that you don't want just a roofer. You want a metal roofer and maybe not only a metal roofer, you want a metal roofer who is really well versed in that material. That right? specific metal. That type of metal roof. Not only that type of metal roof, that they're actually specking the sheet metal details to be done by a sheet metal worker rather than a roofer. Roofers are not sheet metal workers and sheet metal workers are not roofers. Same way mechanical contractors are not roofers. So you want to make sure that if you have some really high-end detail that you are the right trade is doing it and people don't really realize they think roofers are roofers but you have a let's say an arched coping that you're putting on that is in copper you 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 might want to have a sheet metal worker or a sheet metal company do that detail right so the roofer comes in does the roofing sheet metal company comes in and does the but that's expensive and so a lot of people say ah let's just have our friend do it right so we've been talking a lot about um, leaking roofs. Is there other... So I think a lot of people think of that as like, you know, it rains and then your roof is leaking because of the rain. But are there other ways that a roof can leak? It's a good question. So one of the major issues is condensation and venting. Venting is a huge issue. It's also an issue with vaulted roofs because they're harder to vent. Depending on how it's framed, you have to have airflow that moves around to be able to that comes in from the bottom and leaves from the top either you're taking that moist air getting it out of the house before it can condense but even then if you have a metal panel it is a lot more likely to condense than wood even though wood can as well so imagine you have an attic space but you don't have any venting in there that attic space is likely to get moldy so you need to put ridge vents in so venting is a major issue. Um, you know, using t different types of insulation can affect kind of condensation buildup. Spray foam can help with certain types of condensation buildup because you have a, it's adhered right to that panel. So, but there's just a lot to think about as it relates to ventilation and condensation. Condensation is a, is a big issue in roofing and people think of it as, oh, it's, it's leaking. It's actually just condensing and causing leaks. Gotcha. You're talking and I'm hearing what you're saying, but it's like there's just so much information, so many details. I mean, we've talked about like warranties and metal roof and different kinds of things that you need to think about at roofs. Like what someone that's 
looking to purchase either a new or used tiny home? Like how, how do they even navigate that? I think they first start with, okay, what does my design look like? Is it a simple gable? Is it, or is it a low slope roof? And okay, this is kind of gets me into this other place. A lot of people want us to talk about flat roofs and even professionals say flat roofs. To me, it's like, it's a red flag for me. I, it's just a trigger point for me. I, I mean, I've heard many very skilled roofers call a, a flat roof, you know, they call it a flat roof. To me, it's like a flat roof does not drain. So it's fundamentally flawed. You, you have low slope roofs, which look to the eye to be flat. And then you have pitched roofs. So you're first looking at what kind of roof or what kind of substrate am I going to roof to? And then making sure that you meet up the correct roofing system with that. Some are, again, that high risk. Others are low risk. If you have a really simple roof, simple gable, simple design, not a lot of penetrations, not a lot of detailing, that's more attainable. But then dig into the specification. They tell you right there on the label what, so they're going to tell you the exact thing. If you are looking at a metal roofing system, they're going to tell you exactly the type of metal panel and but don't rely on the manufacturer like when you call them up on the phone they're like i feel like they are often very un they're very unhelpful they like want you to know the information you have to be armed with knowing what that is so you, so often in metal roofing you go to order there they don't tell you the parts you need to order unless you you're like you need to tell me the parts you need to order it's like sometimes there's two parts to a rake flashing other times there's one it's like a one part flashing and like Sometimes you expect out to use skinning butyl and non-skinning butyl and other types of details that like a normal person is never going to know. And the person who's selling you the stuff, they just want to sell you this stuff. They don't, they'll just sell you the panels and then you'll get it up there and be like, I don't have any, I don't have any flashings. I don't have anything. Or if it's, let's say it's a shingle company selling you shingles, they're not going to have sold you the starter shingle. They're not going to have cared if it was, you know, the right length nail, vented ridge or if it was a plastic vent versus a metal vent, they're not going to get into those details with you. So you have to dig in further into, and again, reading can be incredibly valuable, but it also can be dangerous. You're just reading what's online and then going off of that. Again, so we advise- And this is a lot. You're going into like pretty in-depth on like if someone was installing a roof themselves, yeah. but you're having someone else install. But even when you have someone else, I kind of think the point of what we're we're making is that, you know, it's hard to know all of this information that we're talking about and know the questions to ask. So it's really important to have someone, a third party assessment or someone that's like, on your side knows the questions to ask knows you know the things about warranties and knows the different types of roofs and what what kind of you know knows the different materials of roofs that are going to go on and knows knows the questions to ask and knows what to look for i mean i guess that's exactly that's exactly right like we see a lot of tiny homes it's this diy approach and i think there are times that that works i think in roofing it's it you're inviting trouble if you aren't well-versed. And again, even the most well-versed still will watch and make big mistakes as they don't know what they don't know. The shingle roofers goes to install the metal roof and uses all their normal wisdom. It's totally the wrong wisdom. And so we definitely advise, like, like in home buying, you have someone oversee that process 
have someone oh because it's so important and the long and the longevity of it is so critical have someone oversee the entire process for you like yeah. How is it going to be designed? What's the specification? Then watching, okay, we watched the underlayment get put on. We saw how it was done. We saw it, you know, throughout the entire process. We have pictures of everything. We saw how the venting is going to be laid out. And this is regardless of if if you're, you know, it's kind of along all spectrums. If you're the DIYer that's making a tiny home yourself, say you're purchasing a a new tiny home that's custom built for you, you're purchasing a new tiny home that's already been built, say you're purchasing a used tiny home, like it's important to have someone that can, if you know, if you're having a tiny home that's built from the ground up for you, whether you're doing it yourself, you're having someone do it, like have someone that can be there along every step of the way, or say you're buying a used tiny home that's already been built, have someone that can they're not going to be able to see the process because the process has already happened, but they can at least look at the roof, look at all the details, ask questions, and have some idea of how that roof is built. There's a lot that someone can look at if, you know, if, if we were assigned to go look at a metal roof today that was a used metal roof, we could at least extract some amount of information from that in terms of, hey, we feel like this was done reasonably. We couldn't give all the information that you could give, but we could give quite a bit of information that would allow you to feel like okay this was done reasonably or this was done pretty poorly and you're going to want to and there's things you can do if you'd realize if you just at least know like okay this roof has some issues one you can negotiate a better price right so you're hey you have leverage to then say you know what look we've done an inspection on this used roof and we or this used tiny home we were going to buy it and we still want to buy it but we're really going to need to do some fastener work and seal it we're, we're gonna have to do some stuff and so we'd like a reduction in the price so it allows you to negotiate that price down once you have your arm with the details of look half the fasteners are stripped on this roof we checked them the gaskets are all smushed in there was no butyl tape use all these like details that we can get into that- yeah that's a good point because even if it's um you know i think that is a good point then you can use that knowledge and you might not necessarily not want to buy the home just because it has some issues with the roof if there's issues that are fixable but being able to know that in order to potentially get a price down or negotiate with the seller there's a lot often you can do with with metal roofs there's certainly some things you can do to make sure that you have a watertight assembly long term even if it was installed um incorrectly um and with shingles too but you can just learn a lot from it and see, you know, and again, keep in mind that if you're thinking about like in the conventional world of construction, let's say that you're a municipality, they, they use pretty much exclusively roofing consultants that are going to be that middleman between the installer and, you know, the manufacturer. So there's an installer, a manufacturer, a customer, and then there's a consultant there that's going to be in the middle there that just makes sure that it like, what they said was done was done and like oversees the process. That's just a standard operating procedure in general, like commercial construction. That's a very, very common service out there in the residential world. You don't see it as much. There's just kind of this leap of faith of like, Oh, well the contractor's going to cover it and maybe they will, maybe they won't or how oh, the contractor just did it right. And maybe they did, or maybe they didn't, you know, and it's even somebody's out of their control. I think that's what we were talking about, which is like, the builder has all the best intentions 
but they hire some people to do the work, which is can be a conflict of interest. So it's not, and so there's a lot of sort of steps along the way that can derail the process. And that's what protects you when you have oversight. Gotcha. So yeah, having some, that oversight is really important. You kind of have to do it, create it yourself. You have to find that for yourself. Don't assume that the builder is going to have that oversight for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, I think that is our discussion on roofs. Thanks for listening. All right. Thank you. Beyond the Level podcast is brought to you by tinyhomes.com, focused on consumer protection for people and companies within the world of tiny homes. For more information, contact us at support at tinyhomes.com.